Hey bubs, welcome back to a brand new episode of Talkin' Snicked. The best podcast there is at what it does, and what it does best is tell you about Wolverine. I'm your host Ryan, today we are continuing our September theme of Canada Revisited featuring Alpha Flight, although this week we aren't necessarily looking at one of Wolverine's crossovers with Alpha Flight, but rather we are looking at Wolverine's early days and his ties to both Department H and Weapon X. Today's episode, we are covering Wolverine Season 1. So back in the early 2000 teens, Marvel decided that a lot of its Silver Age continuity, a lot of its, you know, 1960s up until about 1975 or so, needed to be updated. A lot of those origins needed to be retold, but not like... Um, ultimate Marvel retelling where it was just we're going to make it as if these characters were becoming these characters in present day 2000s and everything's going to be dark and edgy and written for like you know sad angry teenagers but rather we want to make it appeal to the mass audience someone that would watch a show on a network you know network sitcom kind of deal and we don't necessarily want to update the origins we just want to retell the origins take out a lot of things that some fans find to be outdated and even offensive from the silver age and just kind of replace that with modern day ideals uh, it worked noticeably on x-men season one where they kind of pump up gene gray's role i believe that x-men season one from dennis hopeless which was awesome by the way uh, i think they covered the x-men's first adventure against magneto and they gave, they focused a lot more on Jean Grey, her role on the team, and just how the team behaved around her, you know, generally speaking, with with more of today's ideals. You know, she wasn't just referred to by the Beast as, you know, a credit to her gender because she knew what a wrench was, but rather she had a, a, a larger role that she played. She was much more equal with the rest of the characters, and it, and it worked pretty well, I mean, especially for a character like Jean Grey who eventually goes on to be, you know, one of the powerful, if not the most powerful, X-Man, and someone who has a big history of kind of sacrificing herself and saving her team. You know, they really kind of play up those heroic aspects of Jean that really didn't come across in, you know, those 60s stories, uh, and they put it into a sense that, that made the character both, both mo uh, more modern and more appealing to a larger audience, especially an audience who knows what comes later for that character and they did that with other series as well i believe there was a daredevil season one i know that they did a spider-man season one uh, a couple other characters got a season one and the only other one that i've read other than x-men is wolverine season one and i had actually read x-men season one first so i didn't really know what to expect with wolverine season one how do you take a character like wolverine and make him more relevant for a I'm saying this somewhat ironically, a woker generation. You know, how do you hand someone Wolverine's first adventure and say, Wolverine is going to be more relevant to today's political climate for our readers? Well, you kind of don't. So you just give Wolverine's origin a couple of twists and turns. And maybe the reason why he joins the X-Men is a little bit different. And maybe the reason why he goes after Hulk in the first place on behalf of Department H is a little different. And that's what they do with this series. So Wolverine Season 1 was written by a writing duo named Ben Acker and Ben Blacker. And you might recognize those names because these guys don't necessarily come from the world of comics. These guys, well... <laughs> 
comics in the sense of, you know, a monthly periodical that is written out in serialized fashion, they come from the comic world in the aspect of comedians. So if you've ever listened to Chris Hardwick's old podcast, Nerdist, from Nerdist Industries before he sold the name uh, in the early 2000s, from like 2010 to 2015, he was always plugging this podcast slash stage show called The Thrilling Adventure Hour. And The Thrilling Adventure Hour was written by Acker and Blacker. So these are guys who, they've told serialized stories before, you know, they've They've, they produced this show, they wrote this show from like 2005 to 2015, something like that. So they were on the show for a decade, and it was a stage show and also a podcast. It was usually an hour-long show, and it was segmented, so it was like three stories per show. And they, were, they weren't necessarily serialized, but they were somewhat. But it chronicled you know, fictional characters and their adventures in what was called the Thrilling Adventure Hour. And if you are part of the, you know, L.A. comedy scene, a lot of these people that appear on the show are very famous television comedians. Some of them are stand-up comedians, uh, but a lot of them you'll recognize if you've ever watched, you know, any sitcom that's filmed in L.A., a lot of the people that appear on the Thrilling Adventure Hour have had, you know, small roles, even recurring roles in, you know, any of the major sitcoms that are filmed in LA in the last, you know, in that time span from 2005 to, to 2015. So these guys, they're comedic writers. They are writers that have been telling serialized stories or at least recurring stories. They've covered recurring characters and they are the writers who are tabbed for Wolverine season one. You'd think, all right, comedians, they'd probably be better set for, you know, Deadpool or Spider-Man or whatever. But as you'll see as we discuss this issue, their take on Wolverine actually works pretty well uh, and partnered them up with Salva Espin on art with Cam Smith, colors from Jim Charalampidus, Charalampidus, I'm probably mispronouncing that, letters from VC's Joe Caramagna, and a cover artist in Julian Totino Tedesco. In a story coming out in June of 2013, we actually get a really great modern reimagining of Wolverine's earliest adventures. Wolverine season one covers the period after Wolverine leaves the Weapon X program and up until he joins the X-Men in Giant Size X-Men number one. We get to chronicle that time in his life, pretty much from the point where he is discovered in the wilderness by James and Heather Hudson up until he agrees to join Xavier's X-Men team. So I like the artwork here. I like the story, the pacing. If you read it on Marvel Unlimited, it includes a like a 20-page backup story that is a lead-in to a different story. So we're not covering that. We're just going to cover the 120-odd pages of this story, which is about the equivalent of a six-issue arc. So think of it as a six-issue arc uh, retelling pretty much, you know, Wolverine from the time he leaves Weapon X until the time he joins Meg, uh, Xavier's X-Men. So the story starts off, we are in the Canadian Rockies, we can assume somewhere in Alberta. Wolverine always seems to end up back in northern Alberta whenever he kind of becomes a wild man in the Canadian wilderness, uh, just because that is you know where he has his roots. I don't know if it's familiar smells or what, but he always seems to wind up back in that area, so I'm just assuming this is where it takes place. There's no 
any there's nothing here to let us know that this takes place where this takes place but we can take place we can assume it takes place in the canadian wilderness so the story starts just this beautiful mountain landscape there's like a little pond or a lake there's pine trees all around and mountains in the background they're you know snow-capped mountains there's snow still on the pines of these trees and there's a deer drinking from this lake and there's this wild man who's half naked that's kind of coming up to hunt him and then the deer kind of gets spooked a little bit and we see that before wolverine is able to attack the deer or hunt the deer he is attacked by the wendigo so wolverine gets attacked by the wendigo this deer runs off and it actually crosses paths with james and heather hudson i'll probably just refer to him as mac from here on out because that's usually what he's called in the pages of alpha flight so mac and heather are you know backpacking through this beautiful fall or possibly spring in canada like these the trees are green and the grass is green but there's still some snow so i'm assuming this is like maybe april or may where spring is in full bloom here but there's still a couple of snows that will fall here and there at least that's how the weather is in the canadian rockies or excuse me in the colorado rockies uh but I'd assume it's probably fairly similar up in the Colorado Rockies, Canadian Rockies as well. I'm not having a very good day here, am I? I'm stumbling all over my words. <laughs> so listeners, I'm sorry. Obviously, this is going to be a slog to get through. So thanks in advance for hanging in there with me uh, to go through this, this awesome Wolverine story. So this deer gets spooked, it runs away, and it runs really close to Mac and Heather, which in turn spooks them until they hear this large growling kind of roaring sound, and they spot Wolverine in the battle with the Wendigo. So they kind of run up and they realize like, oh, that's weird. There's like this half-naked man creature, and he's fighting, you know, what can only be the Wendigo, and, you know, Wolverine slices him across the chest a little bit. It kind of knocks him down, and, you know... The Hudsons are then noticed by Wolverine, but unfortunately they're also noticed at this point by the Wendigo, who like goes to attack them, but before he can get really close enough, Wolverine is healed and kind of fights back again, knocks him down. They have this battle. Eventually the two of them end in the woods, and the Wendigo is able to like get Wolverine down and he starts eating him pretty much, like, you know, ripping out his side and all that. But Wolverine in like one last uh, you know, one last ditch effort here, pops his claws and kind of slices the Wendigo across his eyes. And then we get this really great pun as the Wendigo's running away where he just yells like, Wendigo! Uh, there's like five O's, four O's here. So um, a fun little pun from the comedy writers. But like up up to this point, we're about 10, 11 pages into the story and it's just your your typical Wolverine story. I, so I like it. Uh, you know, these these comedian guys have, have captured the essence of the character and so far, they're telling a thrilling adventure <laughs> of Wolverine. I, I should probably say that this wasn't the first time that Marvel has hired like comedians, uh, especially like sitcom writers, uh, to write comics. And it's not the last. You know, they um, was it Brian Posehn has like a pretty decent run on Deadpool for like twenty issues, and then Paul Shear I think comes in and writes a story. I forget what character he writes, but like he comes in and writes a story. We know that. Um, Scott Ackerman, I think that's his name, the comedian. Uh, he wrote like X-Men Black Mojo. Uh, so it's not the first time that Marvel has hired like comedians to come in and, and tell like a lighthearted but, but also heartfelt story for a particular character. 
And so far, they're they're already nailing it. Wolverine, unfortunately, you know, passes out in this lake after the Wendigo eats most of his internal organs. So he kind of passes out while he's, you know, regrowing his organs and, and healing here. Uh, but it's enough to uh, get Heather and Mac to kind of go over and and figure out, you know, can we help this guy who helped us? And Mac picks him up, and they take him back to their cabin that they've been staying at here in the Canadian wilderness. And they put Wolverine in the bed. They can already kind of see him healing, like most of his the injuries to his side and his abdomen and his chest have already mostly healed, where you can mostly just see like muscle and some skin. Uh, but they do notice through one of the holes in his legs uh, that his bones are grafted with some sort of metal. So they're kind of thinking like, you know, who the heck is this? You know, we saw him fight this Wendigo creature. He's this little guy. He's, you know, more animal than man at this point. It looked at, it looked at one point like maybe he had popped some claws, but like we're watching him heal way too fast in front of our very eyes. And now we can see part of his leg, you know, the bone is still there and we can see that there's like metal grafted to it and at this point we kind of learn that the story is being narrated by heather hudson which is fitting because uh, you know for some of these parts wolverine is passed out and as the story progresses some of these parts there's information that's being given to us the reader uh, that wolverine himself is not privy to within the story so we have to have a narrator or someone providing us a point of view outside of logan and so that narrator is then heather hudson which I like because, you know, Heather's always had like a, a compassionate relationship with Wolverine, uh, but she's, you know, the wife of Mac and Mac and Logan don't get along. So if it were the story from either of their points of view, there's pieces of the story we wouldn't know and there would be bias towards one character or the other. And even though this is a Wolverine story, you know, we want to see Mac in a heroic light as much as we can. So she tells us through narration that at this point in time, she's married to, to Mac. He's working for Department H. They're working on, you know, this exo suit, which is a nice little callback to the fact that, you know, eventually he will become the Guardian. And then I think he goes on to become Vindicator after that. Uh, so we get to see it's kind of like this early on in the process. He's working on his suit. It's like fire resistant and electricity resistant and that sort of thing and he's asking around to his fellow scientists like hey uh have you ever heard of about you know have you ever heard about this guy who uh had like metal bones and everything and they're like oh yeah that kind of reminds me of a story i heard about you know some tests that weapon x was doing um you know he was this guy called subject x and they were doing this this weird experiment where they were putting like adamantium onto his skeleton adamantium being this you know experimental indestructible metal uh but you know he, it was deemed too dangerous and you know this guy ended up escaping and like running off into the woods and yeah he's he's you know disappeared and all that it sucks too because you know he's dangerous and all that and so mac is like freaking out and he's like oh my gosh he's dangerous uh, so while he's at Department H learning all he can about Weapon X and this man with the yellow, or not yellow, I don't know why I said yellow, with the metal attached to his bones and everything, uh, Heather is still at home kind of nursing this wild man back to health, right? Eventually we see, like, from Wolverine's point of view, these weird, like, hallucinations. He's in this room and he's seeing this figure and he's hallucinating first Rose, 
who, if you've read Origin, you know who that is, or Silver Fox, who, if you're familiar with Wolverine's history with Weapon X, you know who that is. And then, of course, he's hallucinating like the Wendigo in his room, so he kind of pops his claws and shrieks and growls and everything, and that kind of freaks Heather out. Wolverine kind of falls out of the bed, and that's enough to get him to, like, come to somewhat, but he's still kind of in this agitated, feral state. So Heather sings to him, and that kind of, like, soothes the beast within. Eventually it soothes him enough that he kind of comes to to the point where he can talk and she just kind of fills him in like, you know, we found you out in the woods. You actually saved my husband and I, um, but, you know, he says that you're dangerous. Are you? Wolverine's like, you know, I'm not really sure. I don't remember. I don't remember anything. All I know is that I was in the woods, but I don't, I don't remember anything. But, you know, if your husband says I'm dangerous, then... I probably am, but if he knows that I'm dangerous, then that means he must know something about me. We cut back to Mac, and he's talking to Department H's director of special projects, a woman named Dr. Haddock, and he's like, um, hey, can I ask you some questions about Weapon X? I heard there was this guy that has, like, metal bones, but he's dangerous, and he kind of went out into the woods. Um, you know, what do I need to know about that? And she's like, you know, it's this old program. It went defunct. It went bankrupt. Uh, it was kind of being run concurrently with the project you're working on, Mac, which is, you know, Project Guardian. Um, it was, you know, Canada's version of Super Soldier, someone that would be... So someone that would pledge their allegiance to, you know, the old maple leaf, red and white flag that we got up here, rather than, you know, the Stars and Stripes down south. Uh, and so she kind of tells them what's going on. And we get to see these cool visual callbacks to, you know, Barry Windsor Smith's Weapon X. But then the words on the panels are, uh, I, I kind of like them because they're painting a very different story. Dr. Haddock is bald-faced lying to Mac at this point saying, oh yeah, um, they started to do some experiments and there was this volunteer um, and they grafted the metal to his bones. He was this wonderful volunteer, but unfortunately... Um, you know, the, the program kind of went dead and, uh, you know, it, it, it's the program shut down and, uh, we don't know what's happened to the test subject guy, but don't worry about it because, you know, project guardian has has taken over and that's, that's much more viable. Uh, and then Max kind of like, oh, well, um, I actually have him at my cabin right now. Uh, so I can get him if you want. And Dr. Haddock's like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Like, you have to bring him in here. No questions asked. Don't take no for an answer. Do whatever it takes. Tell him the truth. Lie to him. Whatever it'll take to get him here, you have to bring Weapon X in. So again, uh, we are back at home. Heather is nursing Logan back to health. Obviously, he's physically ready at this point, but everyone who knows anything about Wolverine knows that his mind is always a mess and whenever he's in a bed, whenever he's like around people, uh, it kind of messes with his mind a little bit. He has nightmares and things like that. He just can't really handle, at least this point in his life, can't really handle like being around people without having those memories kind of come up. It kind of forces him into his more animalistic nature. So he's been sleeping at the cabin as he's been healing, uh, but he's been sleeping fitfully. He's been having these nightmares and things. Uh, and you know, he gets really sweaty while he sleeps. So Heather, the compassionate, wonderful person that she is, I'm a really big Heather Hudson fan, just FYI. Uh, I think all 
Alpha Flight fans are big Heather Hudson fans. How can you not be? She's awesome in Volume 1 and Volume 2 and so on. All of her various appearances. As a Wolverine fan, I really like Heather because, you know, she was a friend to, to Logan. She's part of the reason why Logan began his journey back to, you know, being a man rather than being an animal. It's canonical, right? Uh, this story kind of outs just a you know just a hair outside of continuity, but it takes a lot of its cues from canon, uh, and one of those being the fact that Heather is so compassionate that if that Heather was really Wolverine's first friend, Logan's first friend, um, after he kind of comes back to the world of man after he escapes from the Weapon X project. So she's here, she's nursing him back to health, she's kind of wiping the sweat from his brow as he sleeps, and he grabs her arm and and wakes up and he's like oh my gosh i'm sorry i didn't mean to hurt you uh you know but it's i'm not i'm not a house pet you're liable to get scratched if i stay and she's like no no no. you know making the choice to leave when you think people are in danger like that is the human thing to do so obviously somewhere in there you can control what's inside uh and he just like jumps out of bed he's like no you can't control the animal and he's just you know naked as his name day here uh, and you hear this voice off panel like, excuse me? Because someone walks into the room as Logan's just standing there, just wearing nothing but his birthday suit, face to face with Heather Hudson, who of course is fully clothed because she's a person and you wear clothes. And Wolverine's like, oh heck, you know, I'm I'm sorry I'd been standing there long. Um, and Max's like, well, you know, I've, I'm... I've been standing here long enough to hear what you had to say. And, you know, I, Heather's right. You should stay. Like, obviously, you're making human decisions here. Uh, and I think that if you come in with me, obviously, you're special. You're someone special. And there's this animal inside you that you obviously can't control. But you're making, obviously, good decisions here. So why don't you come in to Department H? Let me help you. It's a training program. We can train you like a soldier. We can give you a purpose. Uh, and, and maybe we can help you find a way to control the animal inside. I mean, that is what you want, is it not? And Logan's kind of like, well, yeah, you know, that's, that, that, that's what I want. If I, if I'm going to move forward as a man, then yes, I want to figure out how to control the animal that's in here. The animal that you guys saw by the lake fighting that Wendigo. So he, he does, he joins up. They start putting him through various trainings, you know, etiquette and stuff like that. Um, what was it called? Was it like cotillion or whatever, where you go through the classes where you learn like manners and stuff, how to like pull out the chair for the lady and, and push it in and, you know, which dinner fork to use and the proper grammar and how to ask to be excused and whatever. So like they've got him going through that. He's like at this fancy restaurant with Heather. He's wearing like a vest and a bow tie. He's got his hair all slicked back. Nice. He kind of does a little, little mermaid thing here where he picks up the fork and kind of uses it to comb his hair because... Honestly, there's like nine forks at the table, and why does a human need so many forks when one fork will do? I mean, I don't understand, like, at fancy restaurants, they don't just hand you a spork. Like, does using different flatware or silverware or whatever, does it really make it that fancy? Like, do I need to use this small fork for my salad and this big fork for my steak? Like, if I'm eating a salad and then I'm eating a steak, you'd think that any fork would do, and the fork to, that you could use would be interchangeable or, you know, the same fork even to eat the salad and then move on to the steak. I don't know. Is there a reason behind that? Is it like the residue of the salad dressing will ruin the flavor of the steak? Is there like a manly reason behind that? Or is it just 
like, hey, let's have nine forks to confuse everyone. There's probably like affluence, right? Like you could afford to have that many forks, so it's proper. I don't know. I'm going out on like this is this is a big left turn. So <laughs> sorry, listeners, um, as I ponder about the meaning of the various forks at the proper dinner table. Anyway, they're here. They're at this this fancy dinner, and then kaboom! Right there's this explosion. The wall breaks in, and some bald dude in like obviously a villain suit walks in, and he's got all these like weird like ninja militia looking guys that kind of walk in. They look like stealth foot clan from like the 2003 ninja turtles cartoon if you've seen that show you know what i'm talking about if you haven't just picture like the foot clan but then as instead of ninja weapons they just have like automatic weapons that like a terrorist militia you would expect would have and then just like a black mask with like green eyes so they walk in they start you know firing up the place they're stealing from the diners and and what have you and wolverine just immediately goes into soldier mode and just takes out all the threats until he hears someone yell help and it finds out that like the terrorist leader guy has taken heather hostage and he's like sorry bub i'm a sucker for redheads and so wolverine's like uh yeah this ain't happening on my watch heather is not getting kidnapped when i've got these freaking claws and i can kill everybody in this room so he does that uh there's this there's this one panel here where uh he's He's standing on a pile of dead terrorists, right? And he's got one of them and he's kind of holding him around the neck and he's slashing up this other guy. And it's really cool. He has like, there's like this, the panel is red and he has like this flashback to Weapon X program because this happened in Barry Windsor Smith's Weapon X. And then the panel immediately changes and it's just like present day again. And it's just the same thing, only instead of Weapon X goons and scientists, it's just the black suited terrorist guys again i just i thought that was a really cool touch you know just like this one random little panel just just the one kind of berserker rage flash it's not a normal panel that's like all covered in red it's just there's a page there's five panels action flashback action i just thought it was cool it's like page 28 or so of the (laughs) of the story Um, i might maybe i'll tweet out on tuesday maybe i'll tweet out like a little shot of this just i just thought it was pretty cool so anyway wolverine's you know he's cooking all these fools and the bald guy takes heather outside there's like this helicopter and he's about to get on the helicopter wolverine doesn't the guy's too far away so wolverine has to improvise and he throws the dinner fork at the dude like it's a ninja star and just hits the guy in the eye and the guy falls down and it's immediately his face starts to kind of like short circuit and someone off panel's like well that was a waste of robots Uh, And then another person off panel says they're training robots. This is precisely what they're for. And we can see that this whole thing is actually being watched on camera by Mac and Dr. Haddock. And we kind of learn that this has actually been like a, a bit of a training exercise, you know, like will Logan save the girl? Will he not? And then of course we get another one of these like weapon X, this, these are awesome. These like weapon X flashbacks. Uh, And of course, you know, that makes Dr. Haddock happy because, you know, here's Wolverine turning into this killing machine again, which is secretly what the government actually wants him for. They don't want to help him control the animal inside. They want to get rid of Logan and just unleash the animal inside. So anyway, Wolverine, after he kills this guy, after this like second little Weapon X flashback, kind of goes into a bit of a berserker rage on the helicopter. Luckily, you know, he's not like slicing Heather up or anything, but yeah, he's just like 
demolishing this helicopter. Heather kind of walks up to him to try to soothe him, puts her hand on her shoulder, and Wolverine, in the throes of angry passion, turns around and, like, retracts his claws, grabs Heather, and just, like, plants one on her. And, of course, that's enough to really make the old-fashioned Mac angry, and he comes running in in his, uh, you know, Project Guardian suit. It's not quite... Not quite Guardian as we see him in Uncanny X-Men 109 when he first shows up to, to you know, drag Wolverine's filthy butt back to Canada. But it, it's getting there, right? Like, obviously, this is before Wolverine ever joins the X-Men. He's a part of the X-Men for quite a while until Mac finally comes down to the U.S. to kind of drag him back. So let's assume maybe, like, six months or a year or so have gone by um, since Wolverine leaves Department H and joins the X-Men, and obviously we're not even at that point in the story yet, so maybe about a year out from the Guardian armor, but, you know, it's, it's pretty close. It's it's red and white. It's got the motif going on. So he comes in as, you keep away from her, and Heather's just like, James, knock it off. Like, you're acting like an idiot. Like, I got this. Control yourself. You don't have to come rushing in. And you, Wolverine, stop growling. Get a hold of yourself. You're a man now. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I like Heather in this. She just, like, doesn't take any crap from anybody and so she kind of gives us like a a little recap now of of the various training like not only did wolverine take to all the various combat missions and scenarios they had him run but they kind of had him start doing various meditations and things like that which i just like this little callback she's like you know he uh he took to meditation like he took to violence expertly it's like yeah okay that's <laughs> that's wolverine right there right he is the failed samurai so he's always going to be able to fall back on violence because he just has that killer instinct he's the best there is at what he does and he's also like you know a really great meditator because he's probably tried this so many times that all of the beginning yoga and various martial arts and, and meditation and stuff he's an expert in all of these things because he's done this so many times uh, but she just kind of goes on. She's like, you know, it's uh, it seems like he was finally starting to actually find the peace that he's been searching for in all of these years of his meditation where he's obviously become an expert. Like, finally, under the guidance of Mac and the friendship of Mac, not to mention the compassion and friendship that he receives from Heather, like, it's enough. He And, and, and the willingness, right? He the, And the desire to control the animal, to tame the animal inside. He's He's finally starting to actually taste the inner peace inside that he's been looking for. And of course, that means, all right, cool. Now that he's at the most control he's ever been as a human, maybe we can now run some more tests and some more diagnostics and figure out, you know, why he is such a good healer, like the 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 depths of his mutant abilities and stuff. And so she puts him down on this medical thing, I guess some sort of like a, an open air MRI. I mean, obviously that, that technology doesn't exist in real life. Uh, but you know, it's similar like that kind of, it kind of reminds me actually of the scene in X-Men, uh, where the, the movie from 2000, where Gene is like putting him into that machine and like the lights are coming on. It's like that, but it's like open air, but it's enough, you know, he's strapped down he's got these sensors on his skin. There's all these technological contraptions, on and around him and we start seeing more of these like weapon x flashbacks you can always tell when it's a weapon x flashback which i love here the background and everything is shaded red but then wolverine has like this white aura around him and he's shaded in like a, 
a light gray. So he stands out uh, so that you can see that it's, you know, it's a flashback. It's not real, but I don't know. I like the art. Salva Espen's art in this is actually really good. Like it's kind of cartoony and it's very much comic book art thanks to the coloring. But as far as like the art itself, I actually really like it. Like it really works for Wolverine. They got the proportions down right. Uh, and some of the art choices here on these panels are, are really fantastic. Like all of these little flashbacks are awesome. I really like them a lot. But like I said, you know, it's enough to kind of get him these flashbacks and it kind of kicks him into this scared berserker rage. We just see this panel. It's all red and just has snicked. And then the very next page, he's outside of some military looking hangar and he's like covered in blood and he's he doesn't know where he is and he just hears this sound like this this ringing sound and he kind of looks up and he sees mac is wearing the armor again and he's just flying right at wolverine and he just like flattens wolverine he just pancakes him right here on the asphalt and just shocks him with as much voltage as he can possibly output from his suit and he's just yelling you nearly killed her so it's like oh crap Heather was doing some experiments, and obviously he he lost control. Uh, but, you know, Wolverine doesn't like being attacked, and even if he's processed that, you know, he nearly killed Heather, if he's feeling guilty about it, not quite yet. And uh, he kind of takes on Mac. They start fighting. Like, at one point, Mac knocks him, like, into this building, and there's, like, a drinking fountain in there, kind of like in a school hallway. And Wolverine just, like, grabs a drinking fountain and, like, throws it at Mac, who dodges it, and then, like, electrocutes him again, and then eventually punches him through another wall. They end up on, like, a gun range. Wolverine grabs, like, a firearm, and he's shooting it at Mac, and Mac has this pretty decent force field, which, again, I like the pre... I, I like the early throw... It's, like, a throwback to Mac's, like, original suit, but then there's all these, like, throwbacks where you can kind of see the prototypes, like, all right, it's a big bubble as a force field as opposed to like the force field that's like skin tight that he has is like in the guardian armor it's kind of like the difference between someone like hal jordan as a green lantern as opposed to like john stewart as a green lantern where it's like one of them has like a big just a big ball around them and the other one it's just like kind of like a second layer of skin but uh you know the the force field stops all the bullets and then he just unleashes again with more electricity so he keeps hitting logan with all these things of electricity now they're out in like a parking area some sort of like a corral where there's all these jeeps and and stuff like that but you can kind of see the um there's like this brown liquid underneath like all these jeeps and there's wolverine standing like at the very edge and now he's got something in his hand and he kind of gets mac to land um and as soon as mac lands wolverine just like fight it turns out it's like a, a, a the gun stills wolverine like shoots directly into this like gas this just big puddle of gasoline and like all of the jeeps explode and it's enough to at least finally knock mac for a loop wolverine kind of gets in close puts like the signature where he's got the two out outer claws popped around either side of the head and he's like slowly popping the middle claw towards Mac's head he, he stops himself and he's like unclench breathe uh, but before it can go any further Dr. Haddock finally arrives on scene in a jeep that hasn't been destroyed and she's like stop you idiots like stop fighting she's alive Heather's fine she's gonna make it and you know that's that's enough like all right Mac and Wolverine don't have to kill each other Heather's Heather's fine like it was a near miss you know close call but she's all right so they go to visit her 
And I just like this nice little touch. There's like just a, a few little band-aids on Mac's face, not a scratch on Logan. Perfect. And so Logan's like, you know, I, I got to leave. I'm so sorry I did that to you, Heather. Obviously, I'm still not ready to be, you know, among people yet. I got to leave. And, you know, Mac's kind of, at this point, Mac is like, feels that Wolverine's, you know, overstayed his welcome. You know, he's, he's more trouble than he's worth now at this point. Uh, but before Wolverine can leave or before Mac can say anything super hurtful or anything, Dr. Haddock comes in and she's like, hold on, Logan, before you go anywhere, and I know what you're thinking, let's put you out in the real field where you're actually be fighting, you know, like real bad guys and you know, real monsters and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe that'll be enough so that if you do accidentally lose control, you're losing control on the bad guys and then we can try to reel you in. And Wolverine's like, all right, well, fine. You know, James is the better man for the job, but if if you really do need me, then then I'll give it a shot. And she's like, good, because, you know, there's a monster, you know, the most dangerous creature to walk the earth since the dinosaurs. And he's in Canada and it is the Incredible Hulk, a creature from America. And so Wolverine's like, well, I don't, I don't know. And Heather's like, no, this is a great idea, Logan. Like, you should definitely give it a try. And he's like, all right, fine. If Heather says I can do it, then I'll try for her. So there's this big debriefing. We get to see, uh, you know, some like military footage of the Hulk and how, you know, Hulk smashing tanks and Hulk smashing buildings and stuff. And they're like, he's on, he's on a rampage here in the Great White North. So what we need you to do is go stop him, but we don't just want you to stop him. Like what we actually want is for you to get a DNA sample so that we can, you know, use the DNA from the Hulk mixed with the DNA from Wolverine. And with that, we can jumpstart our own uh, weapon. We can, you know, restart Weapon X and it'll be comparable to uh, the super, you know, the, the American super soldier serum and all that. Uh, but they don't actually tell Wolverine any of that. He just thinks that he's supposed to go in and stop the Hulk. So eventually he accepts the mission and then they do film him and they're like, all right, cool. Now that you've accepted the mission, here's what we're thinking. We need to reestablish Weapon X and we need some of the Hulk DNA. So make sure you scratch him with your claws. Uh, and Wolverine's like, uh, okay, sure. Um, I guess I can. He has like a moment of weakness where he gets like scared in the theater and like accidentally pops his claws on his theater chair where they're watching the like government video and getting the debriefing from Dr. Haddock and he like runs out. And they're like, what's the matter, Logan? He's like, I don't know. It just kind of reminds me of, like, the Wendigo and all that. And so Heather's like, it's cool. You got this. And Mac's like, I, I don't think so, but whatever. It's fine with me. If he goes out there and the Hulk kills him, then good riddance. Uh, but, you know, if we're going to send you out there, then I guess you better gear up. So let's get you a costume. And then we get to see the fun little moment here where Wolverine gets to put put on his, his uh, classic blue and yellow suit with, like, the whiskers and the, the small little eye things. Uh, which is cool. I like it, you know, and, and Heather kind of makes the funny remark like, well, hey, you know, if it, if superheroing doesn't work, then you can you can always be a Michigan hockey mascot, you know, kind of like a, a wink to his name Wolverine because, you know, the Michigan Wolverines who are blue and yellow. Anyway, Wolverine's like, no, it's cool because if the Hulk smushes me, then, you know, you'll be able to find my body. And that's it. They're like, all right, cool, Logan. Well, you you know the mission. You got your superhero costume now, so we're going to fly you over and we'll we'll drop you down. And then we get to see just a couple of panels and stuff of the of the battle and, you know, their version of it and everything. And eventually Wolverine is able to slash the Hulk. He gets the DNA sample, but before he can really like call for extraction and everything, he does go a little berserk and stuff against the Hulk because, you know, 
it's the Hulk. Like once you're in the field, if you're testing yourself against the Hulk and you're holding your own and you see that you maybe have a chance to beat the Hulk, you're going to want to go for it. Uh, but before the, the battle between Hulk and Wolverine can get too out of hand, then, you know, the Wendigo rejoins the battle at that point, And eventually they, they wait until the Wendigo is dispatched by Hulk. And then once it looks like Wolverine is not going to win the battle and Hulk is in fact going to win, then they come in and hit him with some supersonics. And that's enough to kind of like make him run away. And they're able to extract Wolverine he says that he failed Max says he didn't because he did retrieve the DNA of course we know that what Wolverine means by he failed is that he did give in to his berserker rage a little bit Uh, I mean not a whole lot but a little bit and for him that means that he failed so even though he actually didn't fail his mission he did in fact fail his own personal mission anyway he's kind of realizing he's like I'm not the best I'm not the best fighter anymore like if i'm not in my berserker rage then i care about people and like i can't i can't be as ferocious as when i'm in my berserker rage and still be in control so it's either i'm not good enough or i'm out of control and so like dr haddock at this point is kind of disappointed she's like well we need someone to like push wolverine over the edge already because we don't we don't care about the man we just want the weapon and so she brings in saber that's right. You can't do Wolverine Season 1 without Sabretooth. I mean, it's not like Guardian and Hulk and Wendigo are Wolverine's biggest villains. He has a history with Sabretooth, of course. Anyway, so Sabretooth joins the team. Wolverine doesn't remember him at first. Eventually, he does remember him. They do some training and stuff. At one point, they actually, like, poison Wolverine and lock him in, like, a cell and they try to use Sabretooth to goad Wolverine into becoming Berserk and stay in the animal again because Sabretooth is like, hey, this is what I can make him do. Uh, but it unfortunately, you know, it, it doesn't work. So Wolverine's in this cell. They're thinking of getting rid of him. They're like, you know what? We don't really need him because we can use Sabretooth. There's, there's a lot of story here that I'm kind of skipping over a little bit just because the podcast is going to run long and we're already pretty familiar with Sabretooth and Wolverine's history together. It's not very positive, uh, but this this story, Sabretooth is just kind of here to to try to goad Wolverine into, you know, becoming the animal again. That's all really that we that we need to know. Eventually, Heather decides that she doesn't like what they're doing to Wolverine anymore. She doesn't think that it's fair that they have him locked up like some sort of an animal like she gets wind of what's going on with dr haddock and Sabretooth, so she actually springs wolverine from his cell and like tells him like this is what they i figured out what they wanted to do they're trying to use Sabretooth to to trick you into going back into your berserker rage because apparently he's this big fighter who's vicious and he has a, he's, he claims that he has this history with you and that he can kind of get you to go berserk and become the weapon again and i don't think that's fair with all the progress you've made i care about you you're my friend so she springs him from the cell and like lets him run free so he he does wolverine's like all right peace see you later and he skedaddles and they're in this briefing dr haddock is in this briefing with with saber and mac and she's like hey so um we're kind of interested in the Wendigo now. After we saw that battle with Wolverine and Hulk and the Wendigo, we're kind of interested in him. So uh, maybe you guys should go track him down and kill him, or at least track him down and bring him back so we can 
do some experiments on him too. And while she's in the briefing with that, some guy comes in and lets her know that like Wolverine's gone. And she's like, oh crap, change of plan. Wolverine's escaped. So before we get the Wendigo, what we need is for you guys to go and get Logan. And Logan, smart guy that he is, anticipates what they're go that they were going to go eventually track down the Wendigo as well. Uh, so he actually tracks the Wendigo down first and manages to like make friends with him. Like he goes in there and he like he re- he goes in there claws popped, he retracts his claws. He's not fighting back and he actually at one point like sings the song to him that Heather sang to her. Uh, it helps that like there was a dead bear in the cave that the Wendigo was eating so he wasn't super hungry, but it, like it's enough. It's enough for like Wolverine and the Wendigo to kind of be at peace where the Wendigo to realize that Wolverine is not a threat. And like so they're leaving the cave together, about to go, you know, just be the best of friends, Wolverine and the Wendigo. They're going to, you know, tour the world together and all this. Uh but before they can really do anything, they are confronted by the recently arrived Sabretooth and Mac. I don't think he has a name yet. I don't think he's going by Guardian yet at this point. Maybe he is, but they've mentioned that it's like Project Guardian, but I don't know if they've ever actually referred to him as Guardian in here yet. Anyway, there's this big four-way battle. Eventually Heather arrives and kind of tells Mac he's being stupid and tells Sabretooth that so is he and tells Wolverine that he can keep running, they'll let him go and all this, and, and Mac and Sabretooth are like, absolutely not. The Wendigo finally comes out and like attacks, he grabs Sabretooth and stuff. There's this whole battle, we get a lot of really great panels, and eventually Sabretooth does what Sabretooth does best, which is when he has a chance to be a hero or a villain, he definitely becomes a villain. He like eventually gets the upper hand against the Wendigo, slashes his throat, that's enough to goad wolverine into the battle so they start fighting and then guardian jumps in and he's like no no i want a piece of logan too heather like stops him by shooting like at him i mean she knows that he's bulletproof in his suit so she's really just doing it as a distraction so then heather and james actually like go at it for a couple of pages where they're like fighting each other but like purposely not being lethal just enough to like distract one another and like while that's going on uh Sabretooth actually gets the upper hand on Wolverine, but then the Wendigo, who's like healed a little bit, stops him, but then Sabretooth like incapacitates the Wendigo again, and now he's like, alright, here's the deal, Wolverine's down, the Wendigo's down, and honestly, you two, to, you know, to Mac and Heather, he's like, you guys are just, you guys are starting to get on my nerves, and I don't really like you guys either. And Mac's like, whoa, hold on, we're on the same side. And Wolverine's like, nah, I don't think we are. Or it's not Wolverine, Sabretooth's like, I don't think we are, haha. So we get a couple more battles, like Sabretooth gets really vicious against the Wendigo and all kinds of stuff. Eventually, Sabretooth, like Mac's not in the battle anymore, he's just back there with Heather. It's just like Sabretooth versus Wolverine with the Wendigo in the middle. Sabretooth's holding the Wendigo's head and he's like got his like claws on the on the jugular of this animal thing. And Wolverine's like, no, don't do it. And so Sabretooth's like, meh, and he does it. And, like, that flies Wolverine into a rage. So we get some more uh, pages of, like, the the flashback. And, so you know, Wolverine's remembering his past. He's like, I remember, like, the various wars and stuff. World War One, World War Two, you know, Vietnam, Japan. Like, all these, all these memories come, like, rushing back to him. And it's enough. He's able to 
incapacitate Sabretooth enough. The Wendigo, by this point, he's healed from his neck injury, so, you know, that makes Wolverine happy. He's just like, oh, great, my pal, he's still alive. So the Wendigo runs off, and Heather and Mac and Wolverine, like, they return to Department H. They don't like what Haddock's trying to do and all that, and does Heather kind of mentions this thing like you know it's not okay to use wolverine as a weapon he has his humanity but we've got the dna that we need we got the hulk dna and the and all this stuff and i found a place where we can put him where he can still do good and here's what we're thinking there's this guy in america named xavier he's got this dream about humans and mutant rights and all that and that's when Mac comes in. He's like, and I have an idea because, you know, there's mutants here in Canada. And there's also regular people that just want to do right by our, you know, home and native land. So let's get this thing. You know, they're, they're going to be patriots. They're, they're desired to do good for Canada. It's all there. So here's what we're going to do. Instead of Weapon X, let's do Project Alpha Flight. And, like, then we come to the last two pages of the of the series, of the, of the story. And... Wolverine at Department H headquarters he's just like walking through a hall and he walks into a particular room and inside this room is Charles Xavier in his wheelchair sitting there and Wolverine's like are you my appointment that Heather set me up with what are you like a psychiatrist or and Xavier's like well no you know I'm, I'm putting together a, a like a team of like-minded mutants who want to help other mutants they'll they're willing to stand up and and fight for their fellow mutants that it'll be a way for you to to belong to something and also a way for you to get away from from department h you know and in return i'll try to help you telepathically and psychologically get over this whole animal thing inside of you and so it ends with wolverine agreeing and that's it i know that i i cut a lot of the uh saber interactions out particularly in that last battle like my description really doesn't do it justice. It's really good. Uh, the artwork's really, like I said, the artwork's fantastic. Like it's very comic book arty, but it's it's also very good. I really like the pages of like all the various flashbacks and stuff. Those have all been really cool. So that is Wolverine season one. And I thought it was awesome. Like there's just a couple little tweaks here and there as to like the early days of Logan and especially how he comes to be with, Xavier like obviously him joining Xavier at the request of like Heather Hudson doesn't really jive with Mac going back down to the US uh, so it probably would have been better if it was like Heather setting him up with psychiatric medians with Xavier and then Xavier coming back like a second time and being like hey you know we made some progress why don't you quit Department H and come to Canada and then Wolverine's like you know what Heather's done so much for me here but there's nothing more she can do that's a good idea so then it's still, it was Heather that hooked him up with Xavier. So she got to be the, you know, the compassionate hero, but then it would also jive up. But otherwise, like, I, I like all the other tweaks and stuff that they give here and there, like the little added aspect to Wolverine's mission to not just stop the Hulk, but to get some Hulk DNA and stuff. Really good. I know that it's on Marvel Unlimited, so Bubs, go check it out. It's about 120 pages long. So it's like the equivalent of about six issues, give or take. Uh, it's really good. I, I do believe that it has been, uh, it was released as a trade 
So uh, if you could track that down, if you don't have Marvel Unlimited, then I, I definitely recommend that you do because it's really good, especially if you're a Wolverine fan and like the early days and his Canadian ties. I know that this was Canada Revisited featuring Alpha Flight uh, and Alpha Flight was only briefly mentioned there at the end, but it is Department H and it is Weapon X and it is James and Heather. So there's that. So fun story to talk about. Bubs, thanks so much. Uh, stay tuned next week where we are going to cover, I actually haven't decided yet what other story I'm going to cover, although I do have an idea. Unfortunately, I'm not going to give you a hint since I'm still on the fence, so just stay tuned to Twitter next week uh, for a preview of what's to come. Bubs, if you like the music in the show, then uh, make sure you give Retcon X a follow or at least scroll down in the show notes and uh, click the link to a Spotify playlist. He's a musician who creates original music based on the X-Men or inspired by the X-Men. And he also is the one who made the theme Back from the Dead, which you will hear at the very end of this episode. If you want to get in touch with me, Bubs, uh, there's two ways you can do that. You can reach out to me personally on Twitter. I am at Ryan Does It Nerdy, where I talk about Wolverine and the X-Men, and of course all my other nerdy loves as well, like Batman and DC Comics, Star Wars, Pokemon, Ninja Turtles, all kinds of stuff, uh, Lord of the Rings. So uh, you have any anything you want to talk about, Star Trek, whatever, uh, you can reach me on Twitter. Uh, and if you have anything specific for the show, requests, feedback, criticisms, compliments, what have you, uh, then you can send me an email, talksnicked at gmail.com, T-A-L-K-S-N-I-K-T at gmail.com. Until next time, folks. Thank you.